0: so I'm glad Rob that you were the first out the fence to say I wasn't really sure what was going on because I likewise wasn't 100% sure at times what was going
1: on can you ever just be a genius with a normal balanced life (laughs) not that that's something I have to worry about anytime soon but yeah so I'm gonna give it a four (laughs)
2: I did pick a time of day when I knew I would be awake, uh, <laughs> and I had a, had an idea of what this film might be like, so I wanted to make sure it wasn't like, after work, I was tired.
3: Hey everyone and welcome to Flix Watch Podcast, today I'm joined by Rob. Hiya. Ellie. Hi. Helen. Hi. And Shirley, now we're going to be talking about Shirley. <laughs>
0: Hello, film fans. Welcome to Flix Watcher podcast. Today, our guests are Ellie and Rob. Over to you, please, Rob, to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please.
2: Yes. Hiya. So we are from the podcast Fikminda Pod, an Icelandic cinema podcast. We take a look at 21st century films from the country of Iceland. And yeah, there's a whole range of stuff. <laughs> and that sounds niche, which it is, of course. Yep. Yeah, I am a huge fan of the country itself. Ellie has never been, so we thought it'd be quite fun to take a look at the films coming out of there and see what's what, really, and and introduce them to the wider film going world.
3: Iceland's a really interesting country. I've never been. I'm keen to go for a myriad of different reasons, but for a country which is like has a population of, well, smaller than Manchester. Yeah, the amount it puts out is
2: mm. insane, uh, and ever growing as well ever growing.
3: Yeah and the amount of, like composers in Hollywood that's come out of Iceland obviously we've got Bjork the football team smashed England a few <laughs> years ago I think your pound for pound there must be one of the most productive countries from an arts point of view certain creative point of view in the world so it's it's really interesting and then you've got the Northern Lights which is beautiful.
2: Oh yeah it's an amazing country so obviously I urge everybody to go and uh Ellie it's definitely on your list isn't it? It better be.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm just waiting for somebody to invite me so I can get a free trip.
3: It better be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Take the podcast on tour. Exactly. If anybody's listening and they want to invite us, then, you know, get in touch.
3: Yeah, please do. You might want to spell quick mind the pod to people in case you want to find it. It will be in the show notes. That's
2: a very good idea. We are K V I K M Y N D A P O D. Now, I normally say that with a better sort of intonation, but... And what does that mean? It means cinema pod. The word for cinema... I that like, well, quick... Yeah. Is it? Interesting. I thought it'd be Kino. No, I'm... Interesting, because obviously it's all from the Old Norse, but yeah, quickmind meaning cinema or film, I think. Oh,
3: nice. Well, that makes complete sense. I thought it was like quick mind pod, which I thought, I'm not sure that... <laughs> I'd be interested to know where the story came from. And also you've got... As we're recording guys, Succession is about to go, it's the fourth and final season of Succession is going to go live, Sunday, Monday, depending where you are in the world.
0: We can tell you're a fan.
3: Rob is wearing a Waystar Royco sweatshirts, <laughs> and obviously there was, a, a, there was, was it the start of season th- two or three was set in Iceland? Yeah, season two, I think, Kendall. Yeah, Kendall was in Iceland in the spa, which I think someone found out it cost like $30,000 a
2: night something insane to be there. Uh, in real life, I'm sure it but, did. You know they're billionaires, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it did, and uh, well, certainly my favourite Icelandic actor pops up in that episode too, Ingvar Sigurdsson. Oh yeah. So that was very cool.
3: Well, let's well, we're obviously talking about films. Ellie, it's your choice of film today. You chose Shirley. Can you tell us first of all why you chose it, and then I'll get the the timer <gasps> ready.
1: Yeah. Of course.
3: For well, your 60-second synopsis.
1: So, Shirley, 2020 film directed by Josephine Decker. So I chose this because it's basically, it's inspired by the life of the author Shirley Jackson, who I have read A couple of things by The Haunting of Hill House, which became like a very strange Mike Flanagan series, which actually is really not very much like the the original book. Also, a really intriguing short story called The Lottery, which is horrible. It's like very Handmaid's Tale. And I would encourage anyone, it's only like a couple of pages long to go away and look it up and read it. It's a really easy read with a horrible sting in the tail. And this has kind of got some gothic undertones. It feels a bit horror-y. It's mid-century. It's about women. It's basically, as Rob will know... <laughs> ticks all the boxes. My checklist <laughs> ticks all the boxes. It's about women. <laughs> so I was intrigued. I was intrigued. And her books are like famously kind of hard to pin down.
3: What do you mean to find?
1: Oh, no, I just mean the theme. They're very... Okay. up for interpretation basically they kind of you can take what you want from them and I think this film looks like it would do something similar and I think it does so I won't say any more before I do the synopsis
3: Okay, and the synopsis timer starts now.
1: Okay, when the young couple, Rose and Fred, arrive at an unnamed American university in the middle of the 20th century, they're offered a place to stay in the home of the reclusive and unpredictable author Shirley Jackson and her charismatic but mercurial academic husband. Shirley is struggling with writing her next novel about a local girl who goes missing. And as she does, relationships between those in the house become closer in some cases, but unravel in others. And what unfolds is essentially a gothic psychodrama that sees mania bubbling over as both women fight back against the stifling roles that they've been assigned in a world designed for men. Based on a novel by Susan Scarf, it's not a straight biopic, but it's rather inspired by the life and work of Shirley Jackson. And is an unsettling exploration of mental health, marriage, codependency, and the constraints on women in the 20th century. Look at that all within one minute. That was very good, good. I didn't think it was that possible. Was-
3: did you write that down? I think you wrote it down, Ellie. I, think I you did. Thought, I think you pre-planned that.
1: <laughs> I would not have been that eloquent within one minute if I hadn't written it down. You
3: said down. Me- mercurial at one point, which i
0: It's a very beautiful introduction, I think. Yeah, it's Yeah, very yeah, good. Do
1: you think that was a fair representation?
3: I was just swept up with the, with the vocab. Like I said, mercurial in there, which made me swoon. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's a good breakdown of it. So, I mean, Josephine Decker, she is on a Girls on Top t-shirts if I remember rightly I've not seen any of her films before I didn't know this I didn't do any research I apologize for the lack of intel I have on this but how does this rank in her pantheon of other films if you has anyone seen any any of the other films
0: I've seen Madeline's Madeline which is probably the most famous one I would think and Mm, I've heard that yeah I mean in terms of style they're kind of quite similar they're kind of like quite dreamy sometimes quite trippy That sort of feels like there's lots of different narratives pulling at the same time so I'd say they're quite similar I think hmm. but I'm no no yeah, means I've... an expert in Josephine Decker I've just seen that one
2: no I've not I'd not heard of her I've not seen any of her films but it certainly is all of those things I would say but yeah I mean for me the main draw was Elizabeth Moss yeah who is fantastic as always
3: well, I was a, I'm a big Michael Stolberg stan. Mm.
1: Same here.
3: So whenever he appears and stuff, I'm like, ah, this guy's going to be interesting no matter. I always think him and Joaquin Phoenix should be in something together and it would be amazing.
1: And play relatives, actually. They could be related, couldn't they?
3: Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, so uh, this is your
2: first Josephine Decker film. Same for mine, same for me. Mm. Rob, overall thoughts? Overall thoughts? I wasn't sure what was going on for most of this film. So I obviously have heard of Shirley Jackson. I haven't actually read any Shirley Jackson, although I did love the Haunting of Hill House TV series and the film. But the film itself was, yeah, woozy. It was very, I don't know, the word that came to mind is gaslighty. Intense. I, I quite liked the relationship between Shirley and her husband Stanley, but I wasn't sure what really was the point of, the whole thing. And yeah, I, I got lost quite a lot, I must say.
3: (laughs) So in a roundabout way, you're saying you weren't that keen on the film in general?
2: Yes, I wasn't that keen. I like, I think it looked incredible. I thought Elizabeth Moss and you, man, I thought they were great. Uh, Stolberg. Stolberg, yeah. Why did I forget (laughs) his name? I thought everyone was was excellent. I just wasn't sure, yeah, quite if I was gripped by it. Helen?
0: So I'm glad, Rob, that you were the first out of the fence to say I wasn't really (laughs) sure what was going on because (laughs) I likewise wasn't 100% sure at times what was going on and where it was going. And I think maybe I had it in my head because it was obviously based on a real person that it would be a bit more of telling a story, and there would be more of a a start, a middle and the end. But as I was watching it, I was very much like, this is not that. This is very (laughs) much kind of an interpretation of an interpretation of a person and things that may or may not have happened. I think that once you kind of understand that, it becomes a bit more, not necessarily of an easy watch, but I think I had to kind of like... Tell my brain, stop trying to watch this like a normal film because it, it isn't going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, and also at the end I was like, I don't really know what I thought of that and I don't know whether it had a specific kind of aim or point and rarely for me, I was a bit like, I kind of maybe felt that I needed a little bit more, either a little bit more at the start or at the end because I don't really know that much about Shirley Jackson and...
3: You didn't get any, didn't know learn anything. No, more I don't really know that. that
0: much more. Kind of coming out of it, and I sort of had a bit of a read on Wikipedia and the two characters who come to to stay at the house. They're completely fictional. So when I learned that, I was like, "So, what is this about? What is going on?" And in real life, they had four children at the time, Shirley and her husband. So that period would have been very different. So, yeah, it was it was
3: it was just a very <laughs> strange
0: experience, but I really I really enjoyed being with Shirley and I loved kind of her basically just not giving a shit really and kind of not really wanting to leave the house. I was like, yeah, love that about her. But as kind of like a general narrative, I'm not really sure about it, but I kind of enjoyed some of the feeling that was going on.
3: So as a mood piece, it kind of worked for you?
1: Yeah. That's fair enough. I'd agree. I think one of the issues is going into it thinking like, oh, this is a biopic, so it's going to do this, this and this, and we'll come out of it with this story. But it's it's almost more confusing by being inspired by a real person. I think if everybody in it was just fictional Mm. and nobody was meant to be a real person... It would feel less confusing somehow, and I think maybe you just think, oh, this is a kind of strange, unsettling, ambiguous drama. But I agree about the like it it more being about like an atmosphere and like a really suffocating, stifling atmosphere. And I did think the performances and the and the characters were really well drawn. I thought as well what you said about you know the character of Shirley being so compelling. This idea that I think is so often seen of, like, genius and madness being two sides of the same coin, let's say. But it's always a man mm. in that role, in the those stories generally. So I thought it was quite interesting to have a really, like, unflattering portrayal of a woman who was basically a genius, but a nightmare in many ways as well. And I don't think that's very often seen.
3: I was, when you said that, I cast my mind to Tar. I don't know if anyone's seen that. Oh
1: yeah. Um, uh, yeah, actually, a night,
3: that's a good example. Just my But that's potentially few and far between. And with Tar, what my my kind of main thoughts with this, you know, biopics don't have to tie in with the people to be you know necessarily warranted and a, a kind of a legit film. But at the same time, I was like, could this have just been a made up person that we hung around with for a bit? And you know, we did that with Tar. And that didn't necessarily take away from it. Well, I, didn't, I don't think. I don't think it took away from it at all. The moment you put any kind of shred of based on a true story aspect of a thing, like say Helen said, there's like there's four. She had four kids. They had four kids. And you're like, well, why didn't they even have just one kid at least to just say that those kids in the family or present in some way, shape, or form? Um, obviously, maybe that's just not the story they're telling. And they're telling the story of over a period of at least nine months. A bit maybe but not long because you saw the gestation of a pregnancy and, and the kid being born out of it. So there's, but it's not an extended period. So the kids legitimately could just not have been in in the scene. Ultimately, I just wasn't a fan of it. I watched it in a few sittings, so it just didn't, it didn't really grab me. Stolberg and the other bloke were both very much gaslighting and, and nobidish at the same time as trying to make out that they were being free-willing and supporting their their wives and stuff like that. Obviously Stolberg has his own agenda in that if, Shirley finishes this book, this amazing book, then all the better for him and their partnership. And it reminded me, what's, it, what's that film? Was it the wife we saw with Glenn Close?
0: That's the one, yeah.
3: Yeah, where the, the husband was the one that's kind of f- foregrounded, even though he's it he wasn't the interesting one. Obviously in this one, Shirley is the is the genius, but, and Stolbarg is definitely hanging off her coattails, but at the same time making out that you'd be dead without me kind of thing. Yeah, I wasn't really, I just didn't didn't really get it. I didn't really get it. Yeah. Unfortunately.
2: So I think that relationship is the, the central thing here. And it's not easy to watch. Like, I think he's her best critic and her sort of worst enemy as well. And that sort of dynamic is quite tough to watch for sort of 95 minutes, 100 minutes, whatever it is. They have this toxic relationship, this Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf style thing going on, but it's not that. And I don't, I, I find it quite hard to watch so much of it, especially when they're shredding another relationship to pieces, Logan Lerman and Odessa Young. I think, yeah, it's just really, it might be dreamy, but it's kind of nightmarish, really.
3: <laughs> well, that's why I, I kind of suggested, was is this like a a latent horror in a way, the way it kind of builds mm. up and and the story develops, you know, the, the couple seem to be almost trapped in this place, not against their will, but also against their will. They can't, they can't say no, they can't refuse the kindness, quote unquote, of the, of the strangers that they've they ended up with. And that felt a bit creepy to me, <laughs> generally.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the kind of resonances of Shirley Jackson's work, who Josephine Decker clearly loves Shirley Jackson because she's made kind of Shirley Jackson's life into a Shirley Jackson book where the horror... Because Shirley Jackson's horror books, they're not like... They don't have, like, ghosts or zombies or whatever in them. It's about, like, the horror of the everyday, like the horror of life behind the white picket fence and the kind of everyday banality and, like, normality just basically wearing you down and being like a, like a shackle mm. on you. And that kind of, I guess, is the theme of... One of the themes of this. So, like, the younger woman, obviously... She's obviously so smart and got all this stuff of her own going on, but she's just relegated to making everyone dinner. And the moments where she's, you know, dropping eggs on the floor.
3: Sandwiches on the floor as well in that party.
1: Exactly. And Shirley's spilling the wine on the sofa. It's that kind of like the simmering tension underneath the like performance that you have to do as a woman in in that world. And to me, if, you know, if you were trying to say like, what is it about? To me, that's what it would be about. And yeah, I think that maybe the narrative was a bit vague, but that was the kind of theme that I took from it overall. Similar, sorry, to uh, Don't Worry Darling, no which obviously very much divided people, <laughs> but touching on a similar theme themes to this, that's all I'll say about that film.
3: <laughs> and what about the relationship between Elizabeth Moss and Odessa Young's characters? Because that seems to be foregrounded quite a lot. And Odessa Young... Her character seemed to be formed more than the kinship that she really seemed to care and, and dote on Shirley, even though at the start, that was the last thing she wanted to do, but somewhere along the line, there's a bit of a switch. And then she became, maybe she was just aware of how potentially threatened Shirley was or how vulnerable she potentially was or not. And I found I I I didn't necessarily see where that switch came about because she was still a bit of a dick to her. Shirley was still a bit of a dick to her all the way through. But you know, like pretending that she 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 ate that death cat mushroom, for example, which is quite later on, and when Odessa's character was still quite pregnant as well. So it's kind of like, well, what is actually what is this weird relationship that's happening? I found that a bit distancing
2: in the in the story as well. She just loves power, doesn't she, Shirley Jackson? She likes to be in charge. She likes to, yeah, hold the cards. Mm. I don't know, maybe.
0: Or to shock, was quite, she thinks it's all a joke, but it's quite a serious thing. I was going to say that wine scene, I just found really, really stressful. It's just like, stop pouring the wine <laughs> on it. It was red wine. So, yeah, there's that kind of dab dab. Yeah, rub.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was no, there was no way you're going to dab that out. This is someone purposefully dabs when you accidentally spill a little bit. You can't, yeah, no chance. And those sofas back in those days wouldn't have had that Scotch guard
2: spray i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) there's no larry david to help here (laughs) is there anything else guys want to say before we head to the scores well i I was gonna say yeah on the subject of rose i just thought that relationship with yeah like you were saying with shirley was was odd and it sort of transitioned apropos of nothing Mm. but i got excited when she started doing the investigating into the book like this book that she's writing she's decided it's going to be based on a missing girl who went missing from the university that they're all working at. And at some point, for some reason, Rose decides to go and investigate and start stealing, like, files from the library and, and wherever, and the doctors. And I was like, "Oh, now we're getting to the narrative. This is exciting. What's going to happen here? Is she going to get to the bottom of the mystery? And then it was just not really anything. It was just a moment to show that Rose was on shirley's side so i found that a little bit disappointing yeah that whole, <laughs> well, the whole
0: story to... about the missing girl it kind of felt that maybe that had some relevance but then we don't even really get that much of an insight of how that's informing the story that she's writing so it's another one of those like false like, like an, narratives like that like you get like oh i'm gonna get to the end of this and it doesn't really happen
1: mm. what did you guys think about the finale where we kind of see Rose jump, well, we don't see her jump off the cliff. There's an inference that she's jumped off a cliff because she's not there and Shirley's left holding the baby. But then she's in the car, which is, what do you take from that?
3: Nothing, part of the weirdness.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was something to do with the missing girl and she's thinking about how the girl disappeared. She's fallen off the cliff because there's a point where the Rose and the missing girl become the same person or they're at least played by Odessa Young. Maybe that's just uh, Shirley's way of thinking about that. I don't know. Sounds like you've got something to tell us so early.
1: I don't have <laughs> something to tell you. I guess my, <laughs> my th- theory, I guess when she gets in the car and she says, he says, you know, we're back to normality now. And she says like, no way in hell am I going back to that normality? Maybe that's, this is, this is all getting a bit metaphorical, guys, but maybe that's her, like, the old her that's, like, the housewife and does what she's told is gone. She's, like, flung that version of her off the cliff and the new her is going to do what she wants.
0: I like she's that one. Again. Oh, My, mine was a bit more...
2: Yes.
0: Maybe Rose didn't exist, but that was because after I read that they didn't exist and that those two characters were... Oh, Okay. In, in, their in her mind, mind. yeah and that they yeah. she created them in her mind to I don't know help push her through the story and to kind of navigate the tensions that she had with her husband and kind of created this fictitious kind of nemesis for him at school and this kind of female at home for her I don't know I think it's kind of interesting that it can be kind of that open and interpretive but I'm guessing that may not be for everyone
3: I think let's head to the scores guys and carry on chatting as we do so
2: I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes Or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song and Kobe from Flixwatcher and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to
0: this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of our scores out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Ellie, with your recommendability.
1: I'm going to say 3.8 because clearly I enjoyed it, but I'm not sure everybody else would enjoy it the same. It's touching on a lot of things that I'm into. Maybe I'll lower that to a 3.7.
2: Sure. Rob? Recommendability? Yeah, I'm going to have to go for something like... 2.5. I just don't know anyone who would be really excited by this. Other than Ellie. And she's already (laughs) rated it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Jinxed. mean Helen.
0: Coincidence. I'm also giving it a 3.7. I think if you have read her books and have kind of a little bit of an understanding of who she is, then you'll find this kind of like a pretty kind of creative way of looking at an artist And also I think there is a little bit of that don't worry darling in it. And this is probably the same levels of coherence in it. So I think if you're, that's your kind of vibe, then I think there is a lot here to enjoy. And I think it's definitely worth watching as well for Elizabeth Moss's performance because it's just very layered and very unpredictable and it's kind of exciting in that way. And I think it makes me want to see more Josephine Decker as well. And also makes me want to check out for sure the lottery. So while it was a bit of a confusing experience, I did kind of enjoy it. And I think other people will.
3: Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to recommend this to, don't know how I'd recommend it unless you want to continue a watch, you know, just the Josephine Decker watch along. Elizabeth Moss is, it's really interesting performance. So if, if you're a big fan of hers and want to see how her kind of range and where she goes with things, Again, if also if you're a of Stolberg, I'd say, yeah, I mean, watch it. Caveat that it's it's not going to be a straightforward watch. And I'd say, honestly, if you don't like it after the first half, half hour, then maybe duck out. So that equates to like 2.2. Repeat viewing score, Ellie.
1: Even though I really enjoyed it, it's probably not, it's not really a repeat watch one, is it? So I'm going to give it a 2.7 on that front doesn't mean I didn't like it. It's just like, I feel like I've got what I needed from it in the first watch. Fair enough. It's not one to just pop on again on a Saturday night with your popcorn, really, is it?
2: No. Rob? No. Yeah, i will probably go two. It's interesting. I like, there are so many films make you want to do more research into the subject or, yeah, like you say, watch again. And with this one, the second I started doing any sort of reading around the subject I just got way more confused (laughs) I didn't know much about Shirley Jackson and that's fine but then to sort of just read the first thing you read about the film anywhere is oh yeah basically this isn't her life and I was like okay well now I'm trying to understand why you would omit these things and yeah okay I sort of get what you're trying to say but now I'm just more confused and Maybe that's a reason to watch it again, but I don't need to be more confused going into a film I already found confusing. So yeah, to Helen.
0: No more confusion for Rob. And I love confusion. <laughs> Just not this kind. Yeah, again, I don't know when I would watch this again, but I feel like I need to give it some points. So I'll go 1.5 for repeat viewing. I don't want it to, I, I want to give it some points. <laughs> I'm
3: going to go 1.2. No, don't think I'll watch it again. Small screen score, <laughs> Ellie.
1: I'm going to give it a 4.2 for small screen, actually, because I thought it worked pretty well. In If you're willing to put your phone away, pay some attention to it. I, I think it works well on a small screen. I don't think you need the massive cinematic experience. It's really beautiful, but it's not a spectacle. And actually, something about being in your house, like with all the lights off, it's quite claustrophobic this film, so I think small screen's fine.
2: Rob. Yeah, I think it is a stunning looking film. It's like full of autumnal colours and it's quite dreamy. And the way that the camera moves through the through the house is really cool. It looks amazing on my I don't have a particularly amazing telly. It looked great in the in my house. And to bring it back to Iceland, it's actually the cinematographer Sturla Brandt Grovelin, he actually was a cinematographer on three films we've covered Ellie. I don't know if you knew this before we went in, but he shot Heartstone and Beautiful Beings, which we've covered recently, I can see. Uh, and one and the first film we ever covered, Rams, which is an amazing drama about two old sheep farmers. I, I remember that film coming Sorry. out and people talking about how awesome it was as
3: a like a, <laughs> a
0: film about just sheep. As a
2: concept. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it is amazing. Highly recommended. Spoilers for our chat. I just did a Google of uh,
3: Icelandic cinema photographers and there's two. <laughs> I thought, there's going to be. I thought oh, there's going to be loads, but there's uh, literally just two, according to Wikipedia.
2: Well, he's not even Icelandic. He's Norwegian. Oh, is he? <laughs> what was his name? Yeah. Sturla Brandt Groveland. So he's not even on here. He's done loads of great stuff. We've got
3: Robert uh, Birgit uh, daughter and uh, Robert Ingil Douglas, according to Wikipedia. Okay, people who, who know how to use Wikipedia, we need to add more I that cinematographers to the list because it's not enough. We'll just prove that wrong. Fair play. So, hold on, let's go back to the scores. So you said, what was your score? Sorry,
2: Rob. Oh, I don't think I gave one. I'm going to give it a four point two. <laughs> <laughs> Helen.
0: Yeah, I don't know if this had a cinema release. This kind of feels like a, it went to Netflix type occasion. So... I probably would not have s- sort of hunted this down at the cinema just because I didn't know enough about Shirley Jackson. And yeah, I enjoyed watching it at home. So I'm going to give it a five for small screen.
3: I'm going to give it a 4.7. And that kind of ties in with the engagement score in this where I think perhaps I wasn't in the mood, the film didn't catch me and I just wasn't, you know, swept up with it. And that's sometimes where the cinema plays its this final like card, why she goes to cinema, because you have to pay attention. And if it was kind of fully subsumed by all in the cinema, I might have taken more from it. So that's why I'm not giving it full marks, even though I don't think it's, I liked what you said, Ellie, I can't, I can't remember what you said exactly, but you know, wasn't, it wasn't a spectacle. It looked magnificent, but wasn't a spectacle. Paraphrasing here. So I'm going to go for 4, yeah, 4.7 and that leads us to engagement score, Ellie.
1: Well. I probably am going to guess that I was the most engaged in this of everybody here. I'm going to give it a four because I did find it very atmospheric. I think I was in the mood for something like this that wasn't going to just hand me everything on a plate, was going to require me to do a bit of thinking. So, yeah, it's a four from me for just the themes and the stuff that it got me thinking about, about codependency toxic relationships women you know what it means to be a genius and like can you ever just be a genius with a normal balanced life (laughs) not that that's something i particularly have to worry about anytime soon but yeah so i'm (laughs) gonna give it a four
2: rob agree with everything you said there i did pick a time of day when i knew i would be awake (laughs) <laughs> uh, and I hadn't had an idea of what this film might be like so I wanted to make sure it wasn't like after work I was tired kind of thing I made sure I watched it when I was yeah when I was step alert. one with film ma-
3: be awake <laughs> 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 to open Two eyes <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah and I made sure not to check my phone I made a concerted effort phone away I'm gonna pay attention And I was engaged. I might not have understood it, but I was engaged. So I would say, yeah, four from me as well. Uh, Helen?
0: I did not follow Rob's rules to watching films and I was definitely (gasps) a little bit sleepy. I didn't fall asleep, although I felt (laughs) that maybe the kind of slightly sleepy vibes. By the end of it, I I was kind of like, I started sitting up and then by the end of it, I had kind of like curled up and I was naughty and did check my phone i was like what is going on like what what is this based on which bits are real so for that
3: why did you do that before why did you why do you end up during the film because that that for me when i like it when and this wasn't the film for that when it's like a biopic or some kind of documentary and i'm like i'm keen to get to the end so then i can check things but i never do i think never do i think whilst it's on do i check things so that, i find that quite interesting Or was it the way that you disengaged from it, you were just like, I just need to know what the hell's going on?
0: I'm just impatient, Kobe. I'm just very, very impatient and (laughs) need to...
3: What about spoilers? You're not not spoiler reverse? I should know this by now. We've been doing this podcast for 300 episodes. (laughs) I
0: don't know how this could have been spoiled. I don't think there was any kind of like danger or intrigue. I need to get on those boxes that you put your phone in and you lock it. And then when I watch a film, I need to put it in there because temptation's just too much for me. I'm just like, can't put it down. Yeah, so I was a bit like, I don't know where I was going. What's what's is this real? Maybe it was that. It was like, is this real? <laughs> so
3: three point five. I'm gonna go for two. I watched it in a few settings. I was never particularly gung ho about getting back into it, getting back on saddle each time. <laughs> so yeah, that makes sense for me. That gives us an overall score of three point one nine three seven five, which is actually. A lot higher than I thought it was going to be.
0: Anything, anything <laughs> over three is a good score with our yeah. unique scoring system.
3: Yeah, repeat viewing score really Amazing. lets it down. A small screen score cranked it up a bit. So yeah, well done. Ellie, Rob, thank you very much for joining us. Can you tell us where we can find you online? Repeat the spelling of your podcast so people can try and find it. Otherwise, <laughs> it will be in our show notes, I believe.
2: And <laughs> But don't rely on our spelling. Yeah, and say goodbye to the listeners. Uh, well... We can be found at kvikminderpod on Twitter, Instagram, and wherever you get your podcasts. Again, that is at K-V-I-K-M-Y-N-D-A-P-O-D. And myself, I'm at Rob Watts 88 Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for having us, guys. Lovely to chat with you.
2: Yeah, awesome.
1: Thanks so much
0: for coming on. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixwatcherPod on Twitter and we're at Flixwatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. you.